Today on Broadway for Friday, August 9th, 2019, I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, I don't know if anybody else is putting any, anything in the feed tomorrow, but on Saturday, I will have my fifth Tell Me More in as many weeks. Uh, in fact, there'll be a sixth one next week, believe it or not, getting as many in as I can now before football seasons when, uh, when I'll be otherwise occupied. But uh, this one if you are someone who normally listens to podcast at something higher than normal speed, you might want to turn it down to normal speed or even slower this week because my guest is one of the busiest and most energetic people in the theater. And that is Tony winner, James Monroe Iglehart. We talk about all of the crazy things that he is working on right now, including Hercules freestyle love Supreme writing for Marvel comics, of course, Hamilton and Aladdin and so much more. And he talks just as fast as you imagine uh, that he does, but it was a great conversation. Uh, we ran through a bunch of stuff in a short amount of time. Uh, so I'm excited to get that one out for everybody to hear. JMI in the feed. You ain't never had a feed like that. Oh, Something there like you go. That. I like that. Something like that. Yeah. So Awesome. Uh, we love having uh, James Monroe Iglehart uh, chatting with us. But next week, in the sixth of the Tell Me More episodes in as many weeks, are you going to have the cast of six? <laughs> no, no. But here, here's the thing. <laughs> because I, they're doing everything these days. Yeah, I mean, if I was on a cruise ship, maybe I could get them. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to have somebody uh, next Saturday, a week from tomorrow, that I'm going to guess that most people – if I tell you his name, you're not going to know. Mm -hmm. But I will just say this. He is currently filming the Ma Rainey's Black Bottom film. Mm -hmm. So he has an August Wilson Denzel. movie. No, no, no. Uh, it's like I said, you know Denzel's name. <laughs> but he uh, got his start as a child actor playing – Actually, not even playing, originating the role of Travis Younger in the original Broadway production of A Raisin in the Sun. So uh, is, uh, it, I'm very excited to talk to him. I'm actually talking to him on Saturday. Uh, he just finished up a, a couple years stint as a guest star on How to Get Away with Murder. Uh, Glenn is his name. So I'm uh, really excited to talk to him and all of the crazy amount of history uh, that he's seen. So looking forward to it. And uh Got some stuff coming, so uh, keep your ears peeled. That's really exciting. All yeah. right. So first up in the news, uh, six to open up the at the uh, International Space Station. This no. oh, don't get me don't don't even <laughs> no. why why you got to get me riled up, James? We don't do these shows together every day anymore, and now you're just trying to get me angry. I'm just just joshing with you. First up in the news, seawall. Slash is that yeah, forward slash or backslash? Uh, you're the uh, tech person. I don't yeah, know. That's right. Uh, I'm going to say backslash. Seawall backslash a life officially opens on Broadway. Yeah, James. Uh, last night, Thursday night, over at the Hudson Theater, we had the official opening for the Broadway transfer of Seawall a life. Of course, these are two dueling short plays, monologues um, that are starring uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Sturridge, Carrie Cracknell. Um, is the director from of both Simon Stevens is the playwright behind Seawall and Nick Payne is the playwright behind A Life. We have some reviews here. We don't have yet the New York Times when, uh, or Vulture, but we'll get to those on Monday if they are significantly different from what we have here. Let's start off with Marilyn Stasio from Variety. She wrote, quote, 
In the context of these monologues, a word like delight must be taken with caution. There's pleasure to be had at the sound of pretty prose, and it's a joy to watch two fine actors perform in a flawless character. But it might take a couple of stiff, stiff drinks to get the ashen taste of death out of your mouth. These two as uh, monologues, as we've talked before, are pretty heavy, not to spoil anything, but uh, they are not necessarily light and fluffy uh, David Ives type one person monologues. Moving on to Greg Evans of Deadline, he wrote, quote, when I reviewed the production in February during its public theater engagement, I was struck by the emotional impact of the performances, the writing and Carrie Cracknell's direction. All of that stands, but seeing it again, this time in the larger Broadway venue, I noticed the many moments of humor that Gyllenhaal and Sturridge pull off so efficiently. Gyllenhaal, in particular, seems to have loosened up a bit in his role, superbly providing quicksilver shifts in tone and mood. Sturridge, in the more unrelenting seawall, couldn't get any better than he was off-Broadway. Assuming the show's producers invite Tony voters, which I've heard they are, to this strictly limited nine-week engagement, either actor could stake an early claim on next year's trophy nominations. Now, that stands in sharp contrast to the review from Charles Isherwood over at Broadway.News. He said, quote, Love and marriage, birth and death, sorrows and joys, loss and renewal, bacon and eggs. Whoops, sorry. My mind wandered to breakfast plans while I was attempting to think of something interesting to say about Seawall and a life, two modestly engaging solo plays that have rather unnecessarily washed up on Broadway at the Hudson Theater after a run last season at the Public Theater. The tide that has borne them here is the centrifugal force that draws many plays of minor distinction to Broadway, namely celebrity. Now, James, I'm going to stop reading this review here. Because in the next line, one Mr. Isherwood asserts that Jake Gyllenhaal at one point played Spider-Man. He did not. And I'm angry. And if and if Charles Isherwood had not already been fired from the most high profile theater reviewing job in the world, I would be starting a hashtag campaign because first, sir, how dare you? Secondly, where is your editor? Jake Gyllenhaal has not played Spider-Man. He was at one point rumored to be replacing Tobey Maguire in the Sam Raimi trilogy of Spider-Mans. Never happened. And he just played Mysterio, the bad guy, in the most recent Spider-Man movie. So I have no idea if his review is accurate or not. I haven't seen the show. But I am incensed that he claimed that Jake Gyllenhaal played Spider-Man. When obviously Jake Gyllenhaal was Spongebob. <laughs> no, he was not. He was not. No. Oh, who was that? Uh, Ethan something. Ethan, Ethan Slater. Slater. Yeah. yeah. We, we interviewed him together. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> so I was uh, very interested. Seawall of Life. Uh, why it transferred. Uh, it seems to be simple show. Two monologues, two actors. Celebrity. Seeming like it's a home run for some... Tony nominations, if not, you know, better than that, and uh, certainly some drama desks, and and maybe even make a little bit of money, but uh, I'm not sure why they... I, I, I think I'm sort of with Mr. Isherwood there. Why did we bring this to Broadway? But God only knows. Uh, well, I mean, look, it's a, it's a show with two playwrights who 
people love. I mean, they've had shows on Broadway and off Broadway that people um, love. So they are well-respected playwrights. They are both two actors who people love and respect. I think if those forces come together in a work that obviously not for everybody, but some people um, are really moved by and are really touched by and they say, hey, let's do this on Broadway. We can only do it for nine weeks. It might be difficult to make money, but we think we can do it and we want to have this opportunity. I can think of far worse things to put in a Broadway house than uh, two short plays by talented playwrights starring to talented actors. So um, it might not make sense in terms of, you know, making the, mo- the, the most money, but it's art and it's uh, apparently art by some really talented folks. So, I mean, it's better than putting the illusionists in there again, I guess. Well, they're coming anyway into a different house. I know. I know. So, yeah. I heard that on today on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that until I heard it. so speaking of people who have left commerce behind and are strictly doing it for the art (laughs) the reviews are in for bad out of hell well there ain't much art there either apparently um so yeah bad out of hell opened up at new york city center uh last night as well we are not going to get into these reviews too much i'll give you a couple of them because they're what we would expect. Um, unfortunately, this is the musical that I cannot for the life of me find who wrote the book for. Um, but it is featured around the music of Jim Steinman, who was, uh, and the music that was made famous by meatloaf stars, Andrew Pollock, uh, as the role of Strat. He did it also in London and in Toronto and for American folks, Lena Hall, of course, is in it as well. And James, you talked to her about this show and other things uh, earlier this summer, but, Adam Feldman from Time Out New York gave the show two out of five stars. He doesn't go much lower than that. So keep that in mind. He said, quote, a jaw dropping combination of horniness, corniness, portent and camp. Bat out of hell veers crazily in tone, employing strategies from his experimental downtown theater past director Jay Sheeb mostly enrobes the show in seriousness. There's a lot of projected live video and scenes are sometimes briefly played in two locations at once at once but sometimes strips it down to rocky horrorish silliness. Like Steinman's va- last venture into musical theater, the infamous 2002 flop Dance of the Vampires, the musical can't seem to decide whether it is in on itself as a joke. It, it reels around with its tongue out looking for a cheek. Um, not exactly sure I got the uh, ending there uh, completely understood, but I think I understand what Adam's going for. Um, Frank Sheck <laughs> doesn't mince words either from The Hollywood Reporter. He says, quote, it would be a pleasure to report that the show was worth the wait. But this overblown, laborious exercise, which makes Wagnerian operas look subtle by comparison, proves far less interesting than its backstory. I, I think that's enough said, James. So uh, I went through the DK and C- DKC O&M uh, press releases, and it says the features a book, music, and lyrics by Mr. Steinman. Oh, okay. That makes so much more sense then, yes. Yeah. So, uh, all right. And um, I, Peter and Michael, uh, Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier, I am interested to see what they will have to say about this on This Week on Broadway. Mm. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Next up, we have out-of-town tryout news. Yeah, James, we got some news from two shows that 
seem to have New York dreams. The first comes from Chicago, where the aforementioned Six just ended its run, but this has nothing to do with Six. Instead, starting next month, recent My Fair Lady Tony nominee Harry Hayden Patton will star in the North American premiere of the stage adaptation of the film The King's Speech as King George VI. The show is scheduled to run from September 12th through October 20th, and if all goes well, that leaves plenty of time for it to get a home on the Broadway in the spring. Now, James, this casting is a bit ironic, at least in the Alanis Morissette way, since Hayden Patton is going to be playing a character. He's going from playing a character who teaches people how to speak to a character who has to be taught how to speak. Since the play tells the real life story of how the British king had to overcome a stammer and severe stage fright to buoy his country during the Second World War. Now, James, I love the film i think a lot of people um i I think it's not held up as well for a lot of people but i loved the movie and kind of the underlying messages of communication and the importance of of communicating clearly and honestly um so i'm interested to see what they do with this and i thought harry hayden Patton was good in my fair lady so um this seems like a, a a role that he should be able to carry off pretty well it's critical that the leader of a nation be able to speak well yeah, I wasn't even going there. I was I was speaking genuinely, and you had to get satiric and sarcastic with it. I see. I how... have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't even know what sarcasm is. I don't even forget about that. Uh, when I saw the King's Speech, uh, I immediately uh, uh, reached out to Andrew Asnes, uh, a Broadway producer, and I said, "This would make a great play," and he was like. Somebody already thought about it. You're so late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not a surprise. Not a surprise. But um, yeah, it's a great film and uh, really excited to see what happens next. But OK, so that's only one of the two out of town tryout news. The other one, James, comes from the Berkeley rep in California, and it has to do with the previously announced musical Swept Away, which includes the music of folk rock band the avid brothers we already knew that the show would be getting would be beginning performances in june of 2020 and that the book was by tony winner john logan and that michael mayer would direct but yesterday we learned that mayer would be getting the band back together as he'll be working with both stark sands and john gallagher jr who started the green day musical american idiot which also originated in berkeley Now, James, obviously, this one couldn't come to Broadway this season because it's not starting until this season's over. But I would not be surprised if this came to New York, probably in my mind, in the spring of 2021. So this is new announcement or is it just updated announcement? Because I I sort of remember that we talked about Swept Away before. But am I misremembering? No, no, no. That's why I said we, this was previously announced show. We just learned the casting of Stark Sands and John Gallagher. Ah, I see. That's excellent like, casting. Yeah, we've been doing this show now for about 10 minutes back, and you're already no longer listening to me. So are you ready to go forward? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that gets edited out. No. Uh, oh, okay. What's happening in other news? 
All right, James, let's wrap up the week with a few <laughs> quick bits of news. Yesterday, producers announced that the cast for the 50th anniversary tour of Jesus Christ Superstar had been determined. This tour will be making its way around North America beginning in October. This is based on the Regent's Park open air theater production in London. And uh, it also had a Chicago run, I believe, last year, maybe earlier this year. Um, the show will feature Aaron Levaney as Jesus, James Delasco Beeks as Judas, Jenna Rubii as Mary Magdalene, and Alvin Crawford as Caiaphas. We will have the complete cast list in the show notes. Now, moving on, James, despite our previous suppositions, it appears that the Michael Jackson musical Don't Stop Till You Get Enough is still a thing. And is still moving forward, I guess, with Broadway plans, because yesterday an act, an equity casting notice went out for a developmental work session to run from mid-September through mid-November. The only two characters listed on the audition call, James, are the 10-year-old Michael Jackson and a character named Rachel. She is described as, quote, female, any ethnicity, 20s to 30s, smart, inquisitive, ambitious, but warm. And here's where it gets interesting single-minded documentary filmmaker and journalist, skilled actor and singer. Obviously, did you really think they're going to come in for this if they're not a skilled actor or singer? Um, so I don't know what this means. I, I believe the little bits of plot that we've gotten before might have had something to do with a documentary. I don't exactly remember. Um, I wonder if this is Lynn Nottage's way of I don't know, uh, shoehorning the audience's perspective into this story. I, I'm not sure, but uh, this is interesting. It seems they've got everybody else cast. So I, uh, hopefully we'll end up hearing exactly who is involved with this. I Last I heard, uh, a fairly decent name had been attached to play Michael Jackson, but um, I, I don't know if that's still happening or not. So the breakdown for this Rachel character, the woman, it seems as though that she... M- you know, uh, we're all wildly guessing here. Could be some sort of narrator role. Some sort could be, of, yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. So let's finish this up, James. Uh, finally, on Thursday, Deadline reported that the married couple behind Legally Blonde, the musical, Nell Benjamin and Lawrence O'Keefe, are working on a secretive movie musical for Universal. The pair are writing both the score and the screenplay. And in the article, producer Scott Sanders said, quote, Nell and Larry's script perfectly captures the blend of irreverence and emotion that they have brought to their stage shows in an irresistible story that I can't wait for movie audiences to experience. Now, James, I have no idea what this project is but i adore i've said it here on broadway radio dozens of times i'm sure at this point but i love nell and larry's work both individually and so much together um i think legally blonde uh, is so underappreciated uh so i'm super excited to see what they're cooking up here that is really awesome uh scott sanders why does that ring a bell for me do you know who he's he he's He's a film producer with uh, often with Universal, but he's also produced a ton of Broadway stuff as well. Oh, generally, okay. yeah, as yeah. a part of Universal, whatever theatrical presentations, mm-hmm. like he's on Tootsie and was on Color oh, Purple okay, and stuff okay. like that. That's why I've read his name a handful of times. That's yeah. awesome. And I think Scott Sanders might also have been the name of Ian Ziering's character on 90210. Don't quote me on that. I've never actually watched 90210. But uh, I think that might be the case. Did was there just a reboot of Nine Hundred Two Zero when they they just played themselves? Yeah, older? it's kind of a it's kind of a mockumentary 
take on them after like in modern day where I think it's like part they're playing the themselves the actors I don't really understand it apparently it was kind of interesting if you uh, are a 90210 fan but again never seen it has there been a 90210 musical I'm sure there's been one at a fringe, a fringe festival or yeah, something yeah or something like that I'm, I'm surprised with the office and friends one that we haven't had that one yet <laughs> alright Matt why don't you get us out of here Alrighty then. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up the week with us. As Matt said, tomorrow there'll be a Tell Me More on the Saturday morning with the JMI, the James Monroe Eigelhart. And uh, don't forget to play that at normal, if not slower speeds. Oh, yeah. You're going to need I it. I do listen to you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday, they will be uh, this week on Broadway with uh, Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, possibly hosted by Matt, but I'm not sure about that yet. We have to talk about that. Wait, what? Wait, what? And uh, my name is James Marino, and thank you for listening to us, and we'll be back and talk to you tomorrow. Well, tomorrow. I will. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> We hit the 20-minute mark, and it got weird. Yeah, there you go.